hi everyone to um, our official launch of the International Youth Arts Festival. Um, obviously, we're really, really sorry that we're not in Kingston um, at this time, but obviously for obvious circumstances, we are online now. Um, so we're sort of expanding um, our digital reach and doing um, these webinars this year. Every year for the past sort of three years, we have been doing our So You Want to Work in the Arts programme which has been amazing. Um, we normally do it in Kingston as part of the festival, um, but this year I actually think we can get a wider reach with um, working online and doing it this way. So that's why we've started doing all these panels. We've got nine panels over the next um, few days and over the next weekend or, uh, and stuff. And we also got some amazing performances as well um, for you to tune into on our live uh, YouTube channel. So please sort of tune in over that. But we are here and we are doing um, our first webinar which is life after and during coronavirus. Um, we'll try not to be too down the dumps about the whole situation, but we are joined by um, an incredible panel, um, Stephanie Perry, Boudicca Pepper and Jack Hart as well. I suppose the best way to sort of start off is sort of telling um, our viewers a bit about yourself. Should we start with you, Steph? You're going to tell us a bit about you, um, what your role in the industry and just, just about you. You're muted. You're muted. You're muted. I was muted. <laughs> <laughs> this is my first panel discussion. Um, my name's yeah. My name's Steph. I run my own theatre company, Glass Half Full Theatre, and I work with Tom on actual awareness for working class actors. So that's something that I've been doing for both those things. I've been doing for about five years, nearly. So I've been working with the lovely Tom for nearly five years. Um, and those. Are, Actually, it's all about creating opportunity for people who don't normally go down the conventional routes, something I'm really passionate about. Um, Glass Half Four, I produce predominantly my own writing. We've done about six plays, we've been to Edinburgh, etc. And so I'm forced to forced to be a producer, but I'm more of like writer, director, and yeah, and I do a lot of other things as well. I do what I can when I can. Yeah, is that all right? Yeah, that's good. Cool. Um, Boudica? Um, hi, I'm Rudika. I'm a musician from Brighton and I am the music programmer at Creative Youth. So I've spent all year booking acts and finding young people to perform at Kingston this weekend. And then I've spent all of lockdown cancelling all those acts, uh, which was absolutely heartbreaking. Um, but yeah, I, I, I make music. I'm a singer, songwriter, rapper, poet, and I work with many producers, producers and musicians and I study music at university. Just to keep the ball rolling. <laughs> cool. And uh, finally, Jack. Hello, I'm Jack. Um, I'm a playwright, actor, singer-songwriter, one of those hyphenated people. Um, and yeah, I'm in a really unique position actually because I've kind of I've not finished my training. I've taken um, a break from my studies, so I'm actually about to go back into um, drama school uh, after having taken some time out and done some work and so it's yeah it's interesting having those two perspectives right now um but yeah i'm just excited to be here i see what that's probably really interesting you know because obviously you're part of drama by the way jack's a fellow boltonian like me boom um um just in terms of your drama training have they been doing that online so i'm so i've i'm on a break from studies so i i've not been kind of engaging with my course for like two years um, but I'm about right. to go into second year um, right. so 
yeah, it's a really weird time. I think they have been doing online classes, like I live with a couple of students and stuff. Um, and that's been really interesting, uh, <laughs> seeing how that's all been managed. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Um, so I might as well stay with you, Jack, in, in terms of the first question. What have you sort of been doing over the lockdown period um, in terms of staying creative? Yeah, I think I think there's been a lot of pressures coming from kind of both sides, both to really look after yourself and apply self-care and um, not get too caught up in how productive people say you need to be. But then also from the other side, I've felt this pressure from people to be productive and like take this opportunity, like particularly as a working class person, it's not often that because I'm currently furloughed from um, I was working front of house in a theatre and being furloughed right now has given me the privilege and the time to be able to sit and work on my practice and, and my work which in a way it's it's obviously there's a lot of terrible things going on right now um, and I'm not saying that this has been great for me or the arts but like it's given me the space to sit down and write. So I've been working on a solo show. Um, I've been redrafting a play called Man Down, which uh, I had on at the Tristan Bates last year. Um, yeah, and doing a bit of music and just working on myself, really. Doing a lot of reading. I think it's quite, I think it's quite funny, the whole furlough thing, especially for artists who are, in the, who are in the position who can get furlough and things like that. Because I think it sort of goes back to the sort of, 80s, 70s theme where people, where artists used to sign on the dole um, and they used to get paid to, to sort of be at home and work on their craft. And I think in some ways it's a very positive thing being on furlough because it's sort of going back to those times when you can and you have got the opportunity to spend this time working on your craft, like you just said, and working on your own projects that you might not necessarily have been able to have the time to do or the, the finances to do, especially if you're in a working class sort of position as well. And I think it's I think it's been a really positive thing in terms of um, the furlough and you know working in terms of um, on new projects you would normally have that opportunity to do. So I think it's been a really really positive thing as well. Um, cool. So Boudica, let's move on to you. What have you sort of been up to during lockdown and staying creative? Um, I've been up to loads. So obviously I was studying music this year. So I finished my first year of music, like all my essays and everything at the beginning of lockdown. And then I've been playing a lot of guitar and singing and writing and recording. I think the most exciting thing to happen from lockdown is I decided to record a music video and I wanted to choose a venue that I wouldn't have been able to get unless there was a lockdown. So I've gone for Brighton Pier, but completely ah. abandoned. So just an empty Brighton Pier. And it, the, the footage looks really cool. Um, so yeah, just making content, I think, I had an album launch, so my, my album released, and I was meant to be gigging all over everywhere this summer, um, and I haven't at all, so I've done an Instagram live stream to kind of make up for it. But um, yeah, it's been a lot of messaging people's inbox directly being like, I know you have some free time, do you feel like listening to my album? I'm sorry you can't come watch it live, it's really sad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's good. And um, Steph, what about you? Hey, um, so I've been trying to keep as active as possible. I've done, because as you know, I'm a nurse, so I spent a lot, I'm working 40 hour weeks anyway at the hospital. So it's been quite hard to cram in lots of creative things between that, but 
Um, I've done two shows with my company, Glass Half Full, which we streamed on YouTube, which a lot of people were doing when COVID first came out, didn't they? Everyone was like, oh, what can we do? So put like lots of, I did the first one of monologues, um, which trying to move away from the monologues now after seeing lots of them online. Um, and then I've done quite a bit of spoken word poetry because that's something I'm quite passionate about. And I did an event online for my company as again for spoken word artists. Um, yeah, just trying to still meet new people within this time and engage with other creatives. And I think because through Glass Half Four, I've got quite a, quite a nice core audience, and it's trying to let people know that you're still thinking about doing things. Um, and because I was meant to go into Edinburgh this year with my show Walk of Shame, wasn't I? So I've been thinking about how to move forward with that but um edinburgh the space are doing an on live streaming thing mm -hmm. so we i'm going to be working on that soon i've got two new pieces because i'm not going to do the walk of shame that i'm going to be working on to stream that um with the space in edinburgh over the summer so i've been working on things i've done a lot of rewriting as well um just trying to squeeze stuff in but also saving lives being a nurse is probably the most important thing really yeah, yeah, I, I squeeze that in as well. <laughs> well that's I mean, that's probably nice, probably nice thing to stay on, really, because that was my next question in terms of uh, digital content. Obviously, everyone's been doing digital content, which is amazing. I think it, I think it's actually been a uh, a really big revival in terms of making things accessible. It's like us with yeah. doing the BSL interpretation. I think that's a really good thing to make things accessible. And I do think online content in general is making it more accessible for a lot of people. Um, in terms of that. Um, so my next question is, has there been anything, anything digital that you would recommend that you've seen so far during lockdown? Or stay with you, Steph? Um, I haven't had the chance to watch a huge amount because I, work, I have been working quite uh, long hours. Um, so there's a few things I've watched. Nothing that I unfortunately overly recommend. I haven't seen anything online yet that I've been like wow I have really enjoyed the scratches we've done with actual awareness mm -hmm. and actually that's probably the thing I've enjoyed the most um myself what what we've done together just because we managed to engage with um um lots of new people working class people um and just people with diverse voices and it's always it was a really the last two events are really good so I really enjoyed those I find I like that the online is accessible and obviously theatre has been not very accessible for working class people for so long and will probably continue to be. So I do like that aspect of it, but I do miss, miss the liveness of it. So I think because I, yeah, I get that. I get that. I mean, do you, it's a bit of a weird one, isn't it? Because it is it's amazing. Like people at the National have released a lot of their shows in terms yeah, of, which um, is amazing. But you know, I've watched some of the stuff, and, it, and it, it's not the same, is it? It's, it's really not the same in terms of what, because uh, I watched the Frankenstein, and that was supposed to be groundbreaking, and I really couldn't get into it because I just think it was more of a thing that would have been amazing live in front of you rather than on my telly. Um, yeah, it's yeah. really it's a really weird situation, isn't it? Really? Well, there we go, Budica. What any recommendations? I am trying to get hold of a Disney Plus account so I can watch Hamilton. So if anybody... Oh, yes, I'm, I've got that. I'm watching that tonight. <laughs> I love it. I know, like, every word. I, I feel like they were way ahead of the curve getting that film before lockdown. Um, so I want to watch that. But uh, Audio Active, the charity in Brighton, um, the music youth music organisation, have been running their workshops online. So they're, once a week, they have an online cypher on Zoom. 
um, which I really love. So I, I started off rapping by going to these ciphers every week and rapping with everyone. And now you can do it on your phone. So I had this time a couple of weeks ago where I was with some people in the park and we had a big Bluetooth speaker and we put the live cipher on and it was kind of like getting everyone back together. But you're right, I miss the live aspect of it. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Jack, any recommendations? Um, I feel uh, I'd like to echo uh, the what's previously been said. I think that it's really, I think I agree, it's made it so much accessible, like having all this theater online and stuff. Um, but similarly, like I found it really difficult to get into at times. Um, yeah. Content that I've really enjoyed that's not kind of digital theater um, is, uh, I May Destroy You, hugely recommend. Um, I think Michaela Cole is a genius. Um, I would issue a warning though, like I have PTSD and uh, like a couple of the episodes I definitely should have waited to watch. So maybe like check out the trigger warnings first. Um, yeah. But also Disclosure, which is on uh, Netflix. It's a documentary, really great, um, all about uh, trans representation in the media, um, which I'd not seen any kind of documentary like that before. And it was really informative. And I just think you don't, hear trans people talking about trans experiences that often um so i thought that's that's why it was really great because it's mainly trans people talking about how they feel about representation um and finally 13th the documentary which is on netflix as well hugely recommended. oh yes yeah very good there's also one that i think i just saw everyone's been raving about the grinning man that Bristol Old Vic have just done. Everyone said that's a really good musical. If anyone's into musicals, I've not watched it yet. I really want to watch it, but everyone's been raving about that recently. So there's another one. Um, so I'm sort of sticking with you, Jack. I mean, I suppose the age, the big question is this. What do you think is going to be the state of the industry when we sort of come out of this? Or, you know, I mean, we are slowly transitioning out of this situation now. What do you think is going to be, the arts industry is going to be like after this, I suppose? It's really difficult to say. I um, I have a lot of fear, as a lot of people do, um, that it's going to be really white, um, really male, really cisgendered. Um, I think, yeah, that's a really big concern. I think we really need to listen to people from um, people with disabilities right now. Um, really worried about the state of the arts like they've been fighting for years uh, to have a seat at the table and i know that that table doesn't feel very sturdy for anyone right now so i think a lot of people are scared including myself that the gatekeepers are gonna play, play it safe and i think we just have to remind them that the that diverse work in recent years has been kind of explosive and has made loads of money and actually like being safe doesn't mean that it will be successful um but also i think it's it could be a really great opportunity to rebalance how we how we make work um like 70 percent of the workforce is freelance and the power is not balanced in that way um you have in a lot of the buildings and i know buildings are facing quite absolute crises right now and, and need investment from the government um but i do wonder if we can 
shift our model slightly to support artists more rather than just pumping loads of money into buildings where that money doesn't always get seen in the community um, and my experience of going into those buildings the national theater um well various most theaters is that the audiences there aren't representative of the society that we live in and so we share the same opinion as me because obviously there's been a lot of lobbying for places like the national theater and the globe and things like that which is which is fine and that's great but we all know that they're going to survive you know but i think there's not enough lobbying for, for the fringe and there's not enough lobbying for regional theaters and all that sort of stuff i mean i mean i don't know if you've seen uh, jack but obviously was it yesterday the um royal exchange laid off 65 percent of their staff which is it's, it's mental, that is mental. And it's places like that, which I know supported me in my career when I was younger and inspired me to get into theatre. And seeing those theatres just crumble is, is, is a real, real shame. And, and I'm very worried as well, because I think we are in a position now where we can start blank and we can start breaking barriers down. Boudicca, what about you? What, what do you think the state of the art is going to be about after this? Um. 90% of grassroots music venues are facing imminent closure. Um, so I've been playing since I was 17 years old, like every pub in Brighton. It's, it's how we, we keep uh, people going to the pub. It's, how, it's why people come in and drink alcohol. It keeps the whole entertainment industry alive. Um, and at the moment, the music industry creates 210,000 jobs in the UK um, and 50% of people face unemployment. Um, so, I think like the first thing is like uh, Featured Artists Coalition are doing a fundraiser. They need 50 million pounds to keep venues open. Um, for anyone who's unaware, if you get rid of grassroots music venues, then artists who you love, who play massive festivals every year, they'll never get to that lineup position because all of their practice and all of their groundwork happens in these grassroots venues. Um, so it's really terrifying. I think uh, I, I know I've personally had a few moments um, since lockdown where I've been like, this dream of being a musician was really fun when I was a teenager and somehow I've managed to make it work for a little bit, but maybe, maybe this pandemic is, makes me need to go and get a normal job. And then I look at the percentage of unemployment across every sector and um, yeah, I think it's, it's hard to make it in, in music or any arts anyway and the pandemic is going to make it harder so i don't see a future if you want to be a musician you have to be campaigning for these grassroots venues so that the gigs can happen i feel like it has to go hand in hand now we're, we're sort of past a time where you can like ignorantly make the music and expect people to like flock to you i think there has to be some very active like community action where we all come together to keep certain venues going um, because especially in Brighton, I just think, I think it would be impossible to keep making music. Um, as you were saying as well, like there aren't many full-time employed positions in the music industry. So access to these venues is so important. Um, but I, I don't know, uh, the live music industry added like 4.5 billion pounds to our UK's economy last year. And we were only asking for a handout of 50 million, which is a tiny, tiny fraction to keep it going. And it's one of the most successful industries in the country, but 
like you say, like the, the musicians and the promoters, like actually building it from the ground up, never get the respect that the major labels or the giant corporate festivals do. Um, mm. But no festivals happening this summer as well. Like um, most of us will write, record, plan all winter and then most of our work is in the summer. Um, I know for me, like at the moment, I would be spending 10 days in Kingston working on a festival and I had loads of those lined up back to back and none of them are happening. So it's my first year as working in the event sector being like, what happens if there is no summer and no events? Um, and I think next year, I don't know what the Glastonbury lineup will look like because there's going to be so many new artists emerging before. So it's, I don't, I know, it's really all open. To I, was, I was listening to a podcast the other day and it's funny when you say about festivals is obviously um, that's, that most, most bands and musicians live off those festivals for the rest of the year. And yeah. I think, um, I can't remember what the band was called now, but anyway, they, for these festivals, they earned half a million pounds already for these festivals. And they were set and they'd started, you know, that's your mortgage, that's your kids paid for, that's, and that's yeah. all that sort of stuff. But I had and a whole budget list on how my festival work was going to pay my rent and my deposit in September so I could continue uni. Like, yeah. it all just went out the window. Um, yeah. But luckily, like, I picked up a job as a singing teacher. Um, so I'd say for any musician trying to keep jobs in the industry, it is learn to go digital, learn to do other things. So I never wanted to be a singing teacher. Um, but now that, you know, like, it's one of the only jobs that is still existing. And also, like, I've always loved working with children. Obviously, I love being a music programmer at Creative Youth because my whole thing is getting young people onto a stage. But because I couldn't get the young people onto a stage, it felt really important that while they didn't have teachers or classes or music lessons, that there was someone on Zoom that they could come and have a music lesson with once a week if they wanted to. Because I don't yeah. think I would have coped throughout school without music lessons. Yeah, no, I agree. And Steph, what about yourself? What do you think the state of the arts is going to be like? Well, oh, okay, I've through phases of utter bleakness but um i think it's really important for the government really to step up and put some money into the arts um i think we can all collectively do as much as we can within among our communities but at, i think at the end of the day there's only so much you you can physically do as part of a community to raise a certain amount of money i think people need to start make putting pressure i saw those theater tweets and stuff on twitter and more needs to be done if the government feel pressure from a collective of people then they will have to pass you know pass a bill do lobbies whatever campaigns not in um all those sorts of things but i think there's lots of other countries in europe that get a lot of funding from their from from their government like we've got councils and surely we can somehow access money through there um I mean, we got through the war. This is a bloody pandemic and the arts still survived after the war. So how is it possible that there is no money left to go around and these places are just closing? I think obviously the big places are hard because if due to all the corona restrictions, isn't it? The model is not financially feasible to have like two people sitting two metres apart. You're not going to, you can't hardly make money in theatre now to then put in a model that says you can have 50% capacity it's just like how is that possible to make money and sustainable for the future so i think maybe i was thinking like lots of in the summer i was thinking lots of people could do outdoor theater or 
I don't know. I'm rambling, but I do. No, like I mean, I don't know if you share the same opinion as me, but I know that everyone's been in uproar about the arts and the government about the arts, but I don't know why people are surprised. Um, why so are people surprised? Literally, why are people the surprised least surprising the thing ever. Yeah, yeah they, cut, they cut it in schools. I mean, they cut STEM. They've already done that. This is just the next step. People need to stop thinking that this Tory government give a shit about people like us. Sorry, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Keep the swearing to a minimum. I also think that the arts is a bit of a breeding ground for lefties. So why would the Tories save the arts? Because we are a bit of a breeding ground for Labour and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, we're the ones who speak up about the government a lot. And I don't want to get too political about it, but um, I don't know why people are surprised. And I, and I do think it, it's down to us as artists to save the yeah. arts ourselves. Because there's no yeah. point in getting handouts from government. It's not going to happen, I don't think. No matter how much pressure you're going to put on, I really don't think we're going to get a big bailout from the government. It's down to us to save it, unfortunately. But then I think, like, go on, Buda, can I go on? I just think, how can we move forward? We need, we can't just expect donations from everyone all the time. So like yeah. I donated, like I go on to Soho Theatre sometimes and just buy some of their online theatre demand things. Um, I bought a few that I didn't even watch just to like put, do like give a little bit of money to a theatre that's been good to me. Um, but I, that's not really, that's not a long-term plan. Yeah, I, um, no, I agree. And energy. So I spent time and energy into campaigning for the government to invest in the arts and in young people. Um, it wasn't until I'd say like two years ago, probably from meeting creative youth, that I realised that there are way more non-government organisations and charities that are willing to get, like give to the arts and help. Um, and so I, I I think asking the government for money for the arts at this point is is you know, it, you said losing conversation um, because of what, like you say, they're not going to help the left rise. But I'm just going to throw in quickly for any young musicians watching that want help, that don't think the government's going to help them. You can go to PRS, Arts Council, Audio Active, Creative Youth, Musicians Union, Featured Artists Coalition, Help Musicians, or the Music Manager Fund. Um, and there's all these different charities and there's, that's, there's more. That's just like jots that I wrote down this morning um, and they are all giving out money to young people to artists and yeah so there's a lot more charities trying than government for sure yeah um yes. I'll go back to you I'll go, back to you. oh go on Steph go on sorry no I just said that was a really good point I haven't really I don't know if you know many like obviously there's the arts council um but like cha like charities there are quite a few I, I wonder know, if I don't know many I don't know many charities, but I know a lot of people who are doing good for the arts. I know there's a, a company uh, run by my friend John called Up Here Productions, which is up in Manchester. Um, and they're, they're sort of raising money for local northern theatres. I think they raised a grand for Royal Exchange. I think they, uh, they've done a bit for the Oldham Coliseum. And they've done like Q&As with, uh, a bit like what Actor Awareness done with our Q&As, but they're charging people. Uh, like two, three pounds, and that money goes towards fringe theatres and things. That's the sort of raising money that way, which is good. Um, but I am aware about the time. So, sort of my final question before we open it up, if anyone wants to add anything, please put it in the Q and A thing below the chat. If there's anything you want us to uh, really quickly go on. But Jack, do you think there's been anything positive that's come out of the coronavirus and and this lockdown in terms of creatives? 
Yeah, um, I think it's reminded of us our reminded, well, me certainly of our resilience as people, as humans. Um, just how much everyone's kind of come together. See, I'm saying this, and in the, in the back of my mind, I'm going, yeah, but what about the government? What about the government? Yeah. Um, and I'm like, yeah, like the human spirit's wonderful, but we need support. Um, yeah. I would encourage people, uh, I know we've spoken, people have spoken about the kind of, whether we're gonna get government support or not. I still think it's really important that we make our MPs aware of yeah. just how big the community is around the arts. Um, and how much it means to people's lives. I, th I do think that's important. There's a huge petition in London as well next week, and isn't there? There's uh, everyone from the arts is, go is going marching in London, which I think will be really positive. Yeah, um, I, I, I wrote to my MP for like the first time ever during lockdown, um, and I, I feel like this has been a time where probably a lot of people, probably a lot of people my age, um, have finally used their voice um, in a political way and started writing to people. Um, that's been my experience and I'm sure it's been the same for you. Yeah. Boudicca? Um, I would say the most positive thing to come out of this pandemic is the Black Lives Matter movement fully organising and coming to the forefront, not just in the marches, but the way that we use social media, I feel yeah. is changing. And that is something that I've been campaigning for for years. I, I don't think it should be an egotistical place where artists share their art for affirmation. It should be where we share our art to get the message across. Um, and so uh, other things as well. Um, I think young people being out of school, both good and bad, like obviously there are, there are children who, um, are having a hard time at home and my heart goes out to them but there will also be other children who didn't necessarily necessarily enjoy school who will have a lot more time to explore their creative side which is really really exciting um yeah i think like i'm i'm excited about the whole world changing in general i think like um you know like that whole classic thing of creatives to get a real job i think everybody being unemployed means that there's less of like looking down at creatives because actually like we're the ones who have kept productive and are still mm. producing things and we don't need a job or an employer to tell us to like create um so i like that yeah and can you imagine this lockdown without the arts can you imagine can you imagine no netflix no amazon no music That's no these, like, um no zoom like this no, nothing in the Brexit campaign, everyone we spoke about as unskilled workers are now the front line and essential workers. So, uh, yeah, exactly yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. And Steph? Hey. Um, so, good. I think there's lots of, I think people's, um, I'll try to articulate, sorry. I think people's willingness to create work and find new ways to create work is a good thing. I think in any society, we strive to to make art in any given circumstances that we find ourselves under. I am, so I think that's really positive show that passions, passion will always be there. Um, so it's just finding new ways to do it. And I hopefully go back to the old ways. But I think um, 
especially as um, Jake was saying on the social media, um, things like Black Lives Matters has come out of it. I think this actually pandemic um, hopefully will shine a light on class more. Um, I think it will show that actually how much harder it is going to be for people like working class people to be able to continue doing it while they're unemployed or they've gone into redundancy. I've got lots of friends who've been made redundant now, furloughed, then made redundant. Um, so it's, I think class hopefully will shine more of a light on that because sometimes it's not a protected category. We get forgotten about. Um, society likes to forget about us and hopefully this people are starting to be like oh no this matters you know black lives matters class matters all these things matters to create an inclusive and diverse um artistic creative world etc so like so i'm hoping that will mean that when we come out of it the other side we will hopefully be more inclusive and less but that's a big hope yeah no i agree um, so there has been a question sent in. Um, this is for, so you have discussed so much about the UK, but what about a global context? Do you think the panellists feel that bringing us closer will bring the world arts community together as well? We'll go to you, Jack, first. Um, I mean, first of all, I'm definitely not an authority on the global arts world at all. Um, but. I think the internet has made a, a great difference in just people being able to connect with artists and understand, not, not even just in terms of art, in terms of oppression, like people can, people have more ability to exercise their voice and make themselves heard when um, people on the other side of the globe can see what's going on and uh, read about it and hear about it. Um, yeah. I yeah. Continues. I think the internet's been a huge tool. I mean, I did a few Q and A's that to awareness, and I think we had a few people from America in there, and um, and things like that. And we've had a we had a we had a few people globally come together. So I do think this digital revolution um, can make your can make things accessible worldwide, and I think that's great. I think there's there's no harm in that whatsoever. Um, so yeah, I completely agree with that, really. Um, Boudica. Yeah, I think like Stephanie was saying about how in the future, hopefully it brings all artists together for the same cause. Um, uh, talking about class, like class is not just in the UK, it is a worldwide thing. Um, and I think like that sometimes in England, like the working class can feel outnumbered by wealthy people. But I think if we look globally, like, like the percentage of billionaires that could solve world hunger and climate change overnight and the percentage of people like living their life a certain way making the world worse but having no other option because it's all we can afford i think the pandemic is going to help bring those things to light um and i would yeah i would love to see like a universal income globally for the arts community um to, so that we could keep going maybe I mean, yeah, I think, I think it will bring us together because it's a shared experience. And um, it's kind of like uh, during the civil rights movements in the 60s, like artists like Bob Dylan, Sam Cooke, Nina Simone, making like music along the same 
like message and then therefore they like get grouped in together in history. I think artists at the moment, if you manage to make a big enough noise and capture what we're going through in history, we're like everyone's going to be aligned with each other across the world for sure. Yeah. And finally, Steph, what about you? Worldwide context. Um, I get, like you say, I think being digital is good. It makes it far more accessible, lots of people. I know I did that, my, did a spoken word poetry online and actually got people commented it from like America and Australia, which was great. Um, just means that, I think that's the exciting thing about digital, isn't it? The accessibility, especially since I've made quite a few shows in London and gone to some very white middle class theatres and thought that these even the people I'm making my shows for I want it to be really accessible so that is nice that you can you can do that it would be nice if we can create some sort of middle ground where theatre isn't all all just a bunch of middle, middle class white people sitting in a room but I think it's been getting better and like you say, I really want to support the fringe. Like you made such a good point, Tom, about supporting the fringe. Um, Cause that is the one thing that will, will die. Like it's hard enough to make theater on the fringe as it is. I've plowed thousands and, you know, into it. And then, you know, been sleeping on sofas to get by. So I think um, there needs to be some real thought into the smaller infrastructure than the large overriding infrastructure that often will be okay in the end. Yeah, I agree. So we've got five minutes left. My last question for you all, uh, we'll start with you, Jack. Um, what is the most thing you're looking forward to coming outside of lockdown in terms of cre a creative or art aspect? Um, I can't wait to feel safe enough to want to be in a theatre. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Um, Boudicca? I cannot wait to perform with my live band again. Yeah, fair. And finally, Steph? Oh my God, I can't wait just to like get a play, do a read through, go to rehearsals. And then just, I think after like having no theatre for ages, when everyone's allowed, when, when, when it's like back to normal, I think we should have like, a big festival that's not Edinburgh, <laughs> and then, um, and F, just I think the it's coronavirus festival. Yeah, but I think it will be quite electric. Yeah, I think it will be quite electric, and I think there will be a lot of good because people would be working on the material for some time. Like I've got loads of things I'm working on, and when it, the time comes to actually be able to release it the way I want to release it, um, I think there'll be lots of lots of good new ideas coming through. Yeah, I agree. It's exciting. Yeah, very exciting. Um, cool. Well, that's it. That's the end of it. Thank you so much for joining us, guys. It's been amazing. Um, just to let all of our viewers know, this afternoon we have got uh, a two o'clock um, So You Want to Get Funding. And it's basically a step-by-step -step guide of how to get Arts Council funding. It's literally going through the Arts Council form and how to get funding the buzzwords you have to use and all that sort of stuff, which I think is going to be incredible. Because um, mm. I, I, I always struggle doing arts council applications. And also we have got, um, so you want to be a woman in stand-up uh, as well at five o'clock. Um, we've got three amazing panellists, Tanya Moore, Ellen Lilly, um, and Maisie Adams as well, talking about what it's like to be a woman um, within the stand-up community as well. And we have got our official sort of performance launches tonight for IAF. Um, we've got uh, a piece all the way from Kenya, which is incredible. Mm. Uh, and we've got Fires Our Shoes made as well. 
um, which is amazing. So we've got so much jam-packed for you uh, today and tomorrow and Sunday. So please come and join us, um, which is amazing. Thank you so much, everyone. Take care, um, and we'll see you soon. Thank you.